Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Sam Altman. Sam's the president of YC Group and co-chairman of OpenAI. You can find him on Twitter at Sam A. So for episode 100, I wanted to try something new. Sam and I met up at OpenAI, and we ended up discussing themes across several of his essays. We specifically covered choosing projects, creating value, and finding purpose. All right, here we go. All right, the return of Sam Altman. How's it going? It's nice to be back, (laughs) right? How are things? Uh, Good. Busy, good, you know. YC is going to be huge next batch. Yeah. Interviewed like more than a thousand companies. It's insane. OpenAI is going really well. Excited about that. Uh, Yeah. I'm ready for this year to be winding down, but uh, it's been a good one. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, So I want to do something a little bit different for this episode and just break apart a lot of your essays. So I went back in time. We'll see. All right. (laughs) Um, I have a rough outline with a few general topics that you seem to have written about a few times. And I figure we can kind of just go into each one. Uh, so it seems like there are several categories from observing your thoughts and then choosing what to work on and then creating actual value once you've chosen a thing and then past that kind of purpose in general, like purpose in your work. Um, the first one, the first quote that I liked was from your essay, the days are long, but the decades are short. And that quote was, Minimize your cognitive load from distracting things that don't really matter. It's hard to overstate how important this is and how bad most people are at it. Yeah. Um, I think it's very easy to spend um, a decade being incredibly busy and incredibly stressed every day and feeling like you're working incredibly hard mm. and creating a ton of uh, movement but not moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like a big trap and it's so easy to get caught up in um things that are urgent but unimportant uh or it is so easy to get caught up in like the trifles of office politics and playing status and power games that don't matter Mm. uh but feel so fun and so important or or just like random other like bullshit that piles up in life Mm -hmm. um and i've at least found for myself i have like a, a a like fixed budget of cognitive output per day and I can spend that on whatever. But if I let it go on unimportant stuff, then I never have time to get to the, the really important stuff. And it's so easy to get heads down and focused, um, and sort of miss like, what am I actually accomplishing? Yeah. The number of people who have said to me, like, man, I thought for 10 years I was doing incredible work because I felt like I was creating a huge amount of output, but in retrospect, it was in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, is always depressing. You do need to focus and do stuff, but you know, I think it's like really good to like focus for some period of time and then step back and think like, am I, am I doing the right thing? You also don't want to make the mistake that sort of like the stereotypical Silicon Valley, 22 year old or 21 year old college dropout says of, you know, I'm going to solve all the world's problems in three months. And if I haven't done it in three months, I failed. So I'm going to give up and do the next thing. And then they like jump onto some other project. That's bad too. So balancing this is hard. Um, but I think like making, checking in to make sure you're working on things that matter and working on an appropriate time scale. Mm. Time horizon is really important. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, I kind of wanted to address broadly. How do you even frame that? You have a certain amount of like detachment that you need. Yeah. And so when you, how do you step back when you need to? Um, how do I do that? I am pretty good about like in my downtime, 
Um, mm-hmm. I naturally just think about like, do I feel like I am being maximally useful and working on the right things? Or are there like, like, you know, should YC be doing something totally different than we are today? Yeah. Um, like, should we be willing to throw everything out and rethink about it? Or is it going well? Do we need to scale? Um, but I think people find different ways to do that. Like one specific thing I do, which has sort of become this annual ritual I really like is, um, December 31st every year, mm-hmm. I take a break from vacation and I like sit and I write down what went well the last year, what didn't. I look at like how I did on my to-do list for the year and I write them out for the next year. And because I know I'm going to do that every year, um, yeah. I stress about it less the other 364 days. Um, but, but I, I think like the fundamental pattern that has always worked for me is, um, take time, explore a lot of things, try mm. a lot of things, try to have like a beginner's mind about what will work and what won't work. Um, but trust your intuitions, pursue a lot of things as cheaply and quickly as possible. And then be very honest with yourself about what's working well and what's not. Yeah. And then the hard part is cut all the stuff that's not working and focus down and down until you're eventually focused on the one thing that's really working mm-hmm. or the two things that are really working. Um, and in terms of choosing, I mean, this sort of transitions into choosing what to work on and how to create value. But in terms of establishing those metrics for, you know, so say you say you have like, you know, YC, yeah. open AI, uh, and then the rest of your life. Yeah. Do you create similar metrics for each one or does each one? Have uh, its own? definitely not. It's, uh, like I, I am skeptical of these like systems where you try to have like everything on the same rubric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the best thing I can say is I've like, I follow my interests. I try to pursue a lot of projects that seem interesting. I realize that most of them will fail and I don't care. And then the ones that, as long as the ones that work really work. Yeah. So like opening eye really works. YC really works. I've done plenty of other things in the last five years that have not worked at all. We should um, explore that because I think it's something that's not talked about and it's to the detriment of everyone. So for example, like last year, year before you were doing a lot of political stuff. Yeah. I still think that is going to work. Um, okay. I am, let's not, let me, let me try to frame it in like Fair. an area where a lot of things went wrong at once. <laughs> um, but in a way that was really good. Okay. So, um, I sold my startup when I was like 26, something like that. And I worked at the acquiring company for a little while, maybe 25. I don't remember. And then I took a year off. And in that year, uh, which is hard to do, it's really hard to do in Silicon Valley because like in a place where social status is determined by your job and what you're working on, like when you show up at a party mm-hmm. and someone says, Oh, what are you working on? And you're like, uh, I'm kind of just taking the year off. Mm-hmm. Like, you can sort of see in real time their eyes, like look for someone else in the room to talk to. It doesn't yeah. feel that good. Um, but it's an incredibly privileged thing to be able to do this. But if you are in the position between jobs where you can take a year off, I highly recommend it. I think it was like one of the two or three best career things that I ever did. Hmm. Um, in that year, I, uh, I read like many dozens of textbooks. Um, I learned about fields that I had been interested in. I didn't have any idea that they were all going to come together in the way they did. But like, I learned a lot about nuclear engineering. AI was starting to work. So I learned a lot about AI. I learned about synthetic biology. Um, I learned about investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the year that I started being like, well, I had made like maybe four angel investments before this, but I was like, all right, I'm going to get serious about this and try it and see if I like it. Um, I traveled around a lot. I kind of like really got a feel for a much more of a feel for like what the rest of the world is like. Um, I met people, uh, that were working on all sorts of different things who were nice enough to talk to me. Um, I got 
badly needed time to reconnect with my friends and family. I just got caught up on life. And I just sort of like helped people that seemed – I had unlimited time, right? Yeah. So if I met someone interesting and that seemed good and needed help, I would just help them. And they would teach me stuff or they would like offer me the chance to invest in their startup later. Um, and I left myself unscheduled. So I'd like the drop of a hat. I could like fly to another country for a conference. Yeah. Um, and I started doing all this random stuff and out of all of it, almost all of it didn't work out. Um, but the seeds were planted for things that worked in deep ways later. So, uh, but you, okay. So you both sound like it, it was positive and it was great and you had a great time. Yeah. But when you say it didn't work out, how, how does oh, that? Oh, I mean, be- like the individual projects. Like I invested in a bunch of companies that failed. Okay. I got really excited about a few companies I wanted to start that turned out to be bad ideas for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but that's like fine. Cause that's the thing. When you're in explore mode, you yeah. try a lot of projects and you accept that most won't work. Um, right. Okay. So yeah, I know a few people that have gone through this and it seems like they don't always so maybe they say all right i'm gonna go on vacation and that lasts a couple months yeah. and then they like come back and start yeah. meeting with people um or maybe they just immediately jump into something start re- researching yeah. whatever's trendy which i think is like a separate problem where you're just following everyone else that's a mistake usually you <laughs> so the crowd is right work the, on crowd, AI. the crowd is right sometimes <laughs> and uh okay fine but then how do you become decisive because you say a year. Yeah, so this is the trick. Relatively the, the, short the, the trick is um, how do you figure out what to commit to and when? Yeah. And this is where I think it takes brutal honesty with yourself yeah. about which projects are actually working and which you would like to convince yourself are working. And I've been guilty of this mistake many times and I will be many times in the future. This is a very hard thing to train yourself to do, mm-hmm. to really step back and dispassionately look and say like, Am I desperately trying to convince myself this is working or is this actually working? Um, but I think it is a muscle that is buildable. Like clearly people get good at that. Um, it's just hard because it means admitting failure in something like every time I make a major investment in a company, um, I am convinced it's going to work. You don't go in expecting to lose your money or at least, you know, like I am prepared to pay for the expected value that I think it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And, and once you've anchored that, it's like hard to go back and be like, man, I was so wrong, which obviously happens all the time. The best thing about investing in a lot of companies is you learn to be, you, you, it's very humbling. You learn to be majorly wrong very frequently and you learn that that's okay. As long as the magnitude of the successes pays for all of the failures. Hmm. I haven't thought about this before, but say you sold your company and had some money and weren't thinking about being an angel investor. Do you think it's actually a good idea to angel invest a little bit before you start something else, even if you're not pulled in that direction? Um, the things that I think have taught me a lot about like business are poker and angel investing. So okay. I recommend both of those. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, now, By the way, as a quick plug for yeah. uh, poker, so I played a lot in college, right. like fairly seriously, and uh, it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but I strongly recommend it as just a way to kind of like learn about the world and business and psychology and hmm. risk and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, did you play like in like competitively? Uh, one on one. I went to school on the peninsula, and so I would go down there a lot. 
Yeah. That's great. Did uh, that fund your startup? Um, it did not fund my startup, but it funded my like living expenses as a college student. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always surprised by the person. I mean, there aren't infinite people who can do this, but there are enough people that actually make sense. I would have done it for free. Like I just loved it so much. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever get into the online stuff like 10 hands at once? Um, I did. I did. That was not as fun. And then it kind of stopped. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so you have all the, you wrote the productivity post fairly yeah. recently. I thought that was really fun. Thank um, you. Your three main tips were sleep, exercise, and nutrition. For like physical productivity. I yeah. think that's like a small fraction of the whole thing. But yes, I but believe that's But I think that that's core, important. right? Because if you don't have a foundation, you're off. The num- Look, it is possible that I am incredibly genetically unlucky and I just like these people who claim they only need to sleep four hours a night. It's true. Um, I suspect it's not. I suspect it's not. But um, I... Like I try to sleep eight hours or yeah. close to it. It's much as I can. And I get it most nights. And, um, if you're trying to like win on really big creative ideas, um, much better off, like cut something, have less of them, yeah. whatever. But like for me, skimping on sleep, which I have tried at other points in my life is a terrible trade. Yeah. I've tried to optimize what I kind of think of as like my best time, you know, like I I try not to sell my best time for anything other than the projects I want to work on. Totally. I think, um, everyone, it takes people a while, but everyone figures out what that is. Yeah. Um, like for me, it's early mornings or like the first three hours after I wake up and like, man, do I put a huge premium on anything getting in the way of that? Right. How many hours do you think you have good hours every day? It's always in flux, but, uh, I mean, like if you take a armodafinil or something, you get 20. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best version of Sam Altman. I would say I mean, I can definitely like sit down and be like super productive for eight hours in a row. Um, no break. I mean, go to the bathroom, whatever, yeah, but like, no break. Yeah. Which I think is more than most people can do. But it's more um, than me. I mean, I think I can get four before I need to go work out or something. But it's definitely not like 16. And I think like the people who say 16, I feel like I get much more done than they do. So I just don't believe it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Until we evolve and someone can right. get 16 done. Um, so in your, in your broad writing on choosing what to work on, I love the, the Hamming lecture. I had a, I watched yeah. it a long time ago. Um, and he's, he's so much more prescriptive than most people are today which I really enjoy the tone of. Um, do you remember that story of the, I, the lunchroom? I do. Yeah. He, um, you're right. People don't talk like that anymore. Not everyone. Not many. Or not many. Um, it's been very interesting trying to sort of help create a research institution here. Yeah. Um, and I do think we've done one of the more interesting research labs of the last couple of decades. Um, the world isn't set up to support this anymore and i and it's a very interesting question about why um but i think if you take one one thing i've learned from open ai is if you sit down and say like our research goal is to create agi yeah that's very far off and very hard yeah you work on anything you want that is going to help us get there yeah it's people are like oh no one said that before like uh it's that's hard to do 
And how do you manage the psychology of multiple teams working on things that are all pointing toward AGI, but in different directions? You know, like maybe it's robotics, yeah. maybe it's gaming. And then all of a sudden someone gets a result. Does that shift an entire team? Um, yeah, I think it's real. like, I think a, it's actually a very similar algorithm to what we were talking about for how to yeah. figure out what to do with your life. Yeah. Like try lots of things, let people follow their intuitions. And then when something starts working, put a lot more resources behind it. Mm-hmm. That's worked for us really well. Cool. Um, one other thing from, uh, the days are long, but decades are short. I, I liked your risk explanation. Um, so specifically you say things in life are rarely as risky as they seem. Most people are too risk averse. And so most advice is biased too much towards conservative paths. Yeah. I mean, the risk is you look like the real, what risk actually looks like is that you look back at the end of your career and you're like, fuck, I wasted it. Oh, totally. And, uh, people aren't programmed to think about risk that way. Like we're, we're very good at, um, thinking about short term catastrophic risk. And we're very bad about thinking about long term chronic risk. Like we worry about, you know, nuclear plant meltdowns, but not about yeah. like inhaling coal smoke or whatever. Um, and so, uh, there's like a very small handful of people that I would say, like, I have taken an interest in their careers because I think they're going to like do amazing things in the world. And I try to spend a lot of time with for no reason other than I want to help them. Yeah. And consistently, like, this is the thing I find myself pushing them on, which is you're thinking about, you're thinking too small and you're thinking about risk the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, or you need a perspective shift. Man, perspective shift. That's something I want to write about that at some point. Like the, I think as you get older, perspective, getting a shift in perspective just gets harder and harder and harder. And it's an unbelievably valuable thing to get. I think this is why people end up taking like lots, lots of psychedelic drugs. I don't know if that's the best approach, but, um, keeping the sort of mental flexibility to look at things from fresh perspectives and new angles. Um, man, is that important to hold on to? Yep. It doesn't happen very often. Man, it's like losing someone close to you, losing, losing things or the psychedelic path has become very popular. And yeah, just on reading the research, I've been like, and you know, limited experience. You're like, Oh, so it's both abstracting you from your daily habits and then giving you the motivation to pursue things that you were kind of on the fence with. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you need drugs for any of that. I think you just need to commit to do it and give yourself like a space and a format and people to do it with. Um, the other like thing that I found for all of this stuff that really matters is, uh, surrounding yourself with people who will make you more ambitious, uh, sort of be more and make you more inquisitive, shift your perspective more, yeah. um, is really important. And like, Basically all people, almost like 98% of people in the world will try to pull you back and say, it seems a little bit too crazy, a little bit too out there, a little bit too ambitious. Yeah. Almost everyone wants you to be average because it fits their framework. Yeah. It's just, it's more comfortable. Oh, totally. It works. It works. Yeah. Has any book you've ever read on risk helped you understand risk or is it just through experience? Uh, playing poker is one good way to do it. And reading poker books was good. Um, Reading biographies of people who have done like really amazing things, Mm. I think is helpful. Um, like I love reading about 
sort of like the great, the big iron science and engineering projects of history. Um, like, like, I don't think I'd ever, it's hard to imagine I would ever get tired of like reading books about the Apollo program. Okay. So now that like the, the next kind of theme in a lot of your writing is about creating value and say someone's chosen whatever they might want to work yeah. on. Um, in your productivity essay, you say my system has three kill three key pillars. <laughs> make sure to get the important shit done. Don't waste time on stupid shit and make lots of lists. I feel like you should have had you, shit you, in the last you one. You never but... get to get away from the things you've written. I anyway, know, actually, I think it's good. Um, well, I do fundamentally, like I maybe would have phrased it differently, but I do sure. believe, uh, I think people overcomplicate it. I think this all like productivity porn thing where you have these like systems and like, yeah. uh, you know, like these multivariable charts and three dimensional whatevers. Um, like those people never seem to be the people who like really move the world forward. I will observe. And I think any system, as long as it keeps you disciplined and getting done what you say you're going to get done, um, is fine. And I think like the simple ones really work. The one thing I would say is if you're going to try to like multitask a lot, written lists are very helpful. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I think like whatever you find that works for you, um, is good. And I think like focus and prioritization are the keys here. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I think that's true. I think for the most part, you know what to do and you know when you're screwing around and not doing it. Um, one thing that I have found helps people, uh, is if they have like a, like a lot of CEOs form these small groups of like accountability buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, it happens very naturally during YC cause you have your batch mates and you have like group office hours and then you lose it and people feel their productivity sag. Uh, and so they reform the groups by themselves. Um, and that, that seems to work. Yeah. There was this guy, um, Nick Crocker who wrote this post elephants. I don't know if you ever saw no. this post. Uh, but yeah, it was him and three of his friends, basically weekly emails and then quarterly check-ins. It's very simple and easy to follow. Um, would recommend it. So the, the other thing you talk about in creating value, talk about these like big projects and there's the, this other essay you wrote, uh, called what happened to innovation. And I think it's this, this fear that many people have like, oh man, all the cool shit already happened. When in reality, it is obviously happening, but you're questioning like, how can we incentivize more I mean, if of this it? one thing works, like if we do actually build AGI to totally. OpenAI, that is more important than all of the innovation, some total in humanity so far. So clearly not has all the innovation happened. Totally. It's an interesting question of why people feel that way. Um, one is it's cool to like seem sort of world weary. Um, one is people like to complain. Um, another is that it is true that most of the innovation recently has been in software, like, and the internet. Now I do think the internet is like a triumph of humanity mm -hmm. and like, that's where the frontier is. That's where the best people want to go work. And so I think it is a fair criticism to say like most recent big iron innovation has been on the internet. Um, and that is a criticism, but it's also a praise. And like, you know, I think there's usually like a small handful of frontiers where the most talented people go because that's where you're making the most progress. Mm -hmm. And 
sure it's not physics right now, but that's okay. And I think it's like, if you just look at the rate of change in humanity in the last decade, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, now it, it is like the internet will not solve all problems, but, uh, I think it'd be a mistake to say we're not making progress. Right. And what about funding mechanisms? Have you changed your, I mean, um, I think that post was pre open AI. Yeah. I will have a lot more to share here, hopefully in the first quarter of 2019. Okay. Uh, one of my big projects this year has been how you fund this stuff. Yeah. And I think we're close to an answer. Huh? Um, on so, projects without, without the same appeal as AGI. Yeah. Like, well, if it's not going to create like a lot of value for the world at some point, I still don't have an answer, but right. things that will create value for the world, but on a long time frame and in uncertain ways, uh, I think we'll have some new structures to share. Okay. We'll wait for that. Yeah. Um, there was a point that Hamming brought about in his lecture that he said, he who works with a door open gets all kinds of interruptions, but he also occasionally gets clues as to what the world is and what might be important. Yeah. So this figuring out the balance of how much random flux you accept in your life for how much wasted time. Yeah. Um, is hard. Um, the, at some point, and it takes a long time to get here, you know, you get to like hire a couple of people who screen stuff for you. <laughs> and that's great. But I didn't have that luxury for a long time. And there's basically two things to do. One is you take a lot of random meetings and you accept that 90% of the time you will waste your time and be frustrated with yourself for wasting your time for that one meeting that makes it all worth it net. Yeah. Um, but the trade off for that is you have to work so much because you got to do that in addition to your regular work. Yeah. Do you allocate a percentage for that? Um, I used to, again, I've got sort of good screening systems now, yeah, yeah. but I used to be like, I used to spend, I don't know, like 10, 15 hours per week in like random stuff. And most of the time it was just painful. And sometimes it's so valuable. Um, I think if you cut it off entirely, it's disastrous. Like if you don't have any like flow of like, people outside your network with new ideas or just a lot of talent that is under appreciated. It's really bad. That's like a key point to that lecture. Yeah. Where it's like Nobel prize winners only work on important problems and it removes them from that. Yeah. 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 So you can't cut it off totally, but if you're not willing to work really hard, I think you do have to just cut it down a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is related. I remember it was a funny moment at the hackathon, like last year when you were there, uh, there was some team who was like, we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And then we're going to work on rockets or like help work on the rockets. And you said something that I thought was so great where you're like, if you want to work on rockets, go work on rockets. Yeah. I don't believe in the deferred life plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, like a, a, a common criticism of people in Silicon Valley, um, who I think, have great futures in their past are people who say some version of the following sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, my life's work is to build rockets. So what I'm going to do is spend, um, I'm going to make a hundred million dollars in the next three, maybe they say four in the next four <laughs> years trading cryptocurrency with my crypto hedge fund. Um, because I don't want to think about the money problem anymore. And then I'm going to build rockets and they never do either. Um, I believe if these people would just pick one thing or the other, you know, I'm, I, I'm obsessed with money, so I'm going to go make a hundred million dollars, however long that takes, but with a long enough time horizon that it's reasonable. Um, or I'm just going to build rockets right now. Um, I believe they would succeed at either, but the problem 
one of the many problems with the deferred life plan is everyone can kind of tell that that's what you're on Mm -hmm. and you're not that serious about, you're not that committed to either. Uh, and it just never works. I mean, it must work sometimes, but I've seen it fail a lot, lot, lot. And, uh, I understand the temptation of it and I understand the degree to which people feel, well, they're never like, I'm going to make $1 million and then work on rockets and just right. raise the capital. Right. It's always like, I got the, they're people that tend to be obsessed with like making a lot, lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the temptation to like figure out basic financial security. Of course, like I needed that myself. Um, but like, I think one of the things that's amazing about Silicon Valley is you actually can raise money as an unknown 22 year old to go make a rocket company. It's happened several times at YC. Yep. Um, and so if that's what you want to do, like just get on with it, the company will pay you a salary. Like you'll be fine. If, if you can raise money at all, you'll be fine. And if you can't raise money, like think about something else, but it is, I mean, I could go on a, such a long rant that I will just bore people and piss people off. But, uh, I would say the deferred life plan, um, empirically usually does not work. Right. And you don't, if what you want to work on is like an ambitious company and you are in Silicon Valley and you are competent, um, you very likely can figure out a way to just work on that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it means you have to go be an employee at SpaceX instead of being Elon Musk, but like at least you're doing what you want. But that's fine. And it's also like, listen, dude, if what you really want is a hundred million dollars and you just then make go your, for that. Exactly. Just like yeah. call a spade a spade and make money. And, but be willing to like agree that that takes, you accept that that takes a long time and you can't just sort of say, I'm going to compress this into three or four years. And that's why you, you don't have guarantee to guarantee it doesn't totally. work. You don't have to hide behind wanting to make rockets. You can um, just make money. Yeah. Well, I think many people actually do want to make the rockets, but they also, you have to like pick one kind of, you have to like, you can't say I'm going to do this thing for this short period of time and then do what I really want to do, or you'll never motivate people to like join you and want you to win and work with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like people can sense authenticity. People can sense people's motivation. People can sense if you're doing something because like if you're doing something for the right reasons. And I think like to succeed in anything, it's important that people are rooting for you. It's important that people want you to win investors, the press, your team, whatever. Um, and, and I think that's one of another, one of the many problems with the, with the deferred life plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People of seemingly like any intelligence level and almost like any EQ level have amazing bullshit detectors. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah, they do. And again, like doing anything worthwhile takes a long time and yeah. it takes a lot of like emotional trauma. Like a lot of people telling you you're an idiot or wrong or whatever. And if you're not willing to sign up for that, you're not going to succeed. And people can also kind of sense when you're like not willing to sign up for that. Like if you're doing the crypto fund just to make money and not cause you're a diehard believer in crypto, right? people can kind of tell. Yeah. But even if it comes, yeah. It's not even that. It's just like riding this wave, even like even making money, because if you're doing the crypto fund to make money, that is kind of aligned. But if you're not really into the crypto part, of right. It, then what, you don't yeah, know what you're just about. like something about it is 
No, I've, I've, dude, I've had it with like side projects where I'm like, you know, maintaining code for months and months. And then I realized like, I don't know how much I care about this. Right. It, but then it's hard, like it's hard to pull out at that point. Um, and you have to, right. Cause it's going to go nowhere. Right. Um, so one of the last things that I wanted to talk about is, is purpose in work and careers in general. And I think it's kind of related to AGI. Um, we'll see. <laughs> so you wrote an essay, the merge a while yeah. back and you said our self-worth is so based on our intelligence that we believe it must be singular and not slightly higher than all the other animals on a continuum. Perhaps the AI will feel the same way and note that the differences between us and bonobos are barely worth discussing. So this is a common topic, right? Work, purpose, UBI even. Um, where do you think that's going in the, in the AGI era if it happens? Look, I think people find purpose and meaning in many different ways. And it is, uh, the only thing I care about is that people find it somewhere. Yeah. If it's in raising a family, um, if it's in, you know, running a esports team, I think that's like as valid as trying to build AGI. Um, the thing I hate is just people who are apathetic and proud of it. Um, but yeah, like I think that the, the, the definition of there are like i think what seem to be some human universals about ways that we get meaning in life like human relationships for almost everybody are at like the top of that list Mm -hmm. um feeling like we're creating value for others like feeling like other people think highly of us and respect us there are many ways to do those things and i think one thing that will happen with the sort of arrival of agi is intelligence like i got lucky i got born reasonably smart, um, will be less and less of a benefit. And, you know, like 60,000 years ago, like running around intelligence, wasn't that much of a benefit, uh, like physical strength, endurance, much more important. Um, 60,000 years from now, human biological intelligence, I don't think will be that much of a benefit again. Um, and it's just, it happens to be at a moment in society where it is really valuable. Yeah. I've actually, I find in particular it's out here, like intelligence is so highly rated that people seem oddly disconnected from their bodies. So it's been cool seeing you like doing the whole workout plan now. The Sam Altman gun show. I know. How much do you weigh now? Uh, I think I gained 18 pounds of muscle mass this year. That's crazy. Really? Yeah. And vegetarian too. There's a lot of lifting. Interesting. So you're, you're heavy lifting, right? Heavy lifting. You feel better? I do. I do much better than doing like heavy cardio. Yeah. Well, the thing with that, like, I've shifted over to lifting this year and I've found that, so first of all, you get way stronger, way faster. Like heavy cardio does almost nothing. It just makes you eat a lot more. I was good at bike riding, but like now I actually see physical progress, which is crazy. I mean, the sad thing about it is like, so I like gained all this weight, which makes it like harder to run and I haven't been running this year. Yeah. So like, I don't even know if I could run a mile without stopping at this point. So in some sense, I'm in terrible shape. But in other sense, like I'm really strong. Um, but they are just, they're so different. Yeah. They're diametrically opposed. There are people online. They're like, Oh, well, if you get your squat up to 500, you can bike anything. And I was like, you don't understand power to weight. Right. <laughs> uh, so are you going to set a goal for your, your fitness? Uh, for 2019? I will on December 31st. Okay. I don't know. Question mark. I already hit my lifting goals for this year. Um, but I'll keep going to the end of the year anyway. Nice. Congrats. Thank you very That's much. Harsh. Um, I think the the last thing is like, what, what are you reading right now? Um, 
The last thing I read, uh, it's really short. I recommend it a lot. It's called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello. It'll take you like an hour to read. Uh, it was recommended to me by Naval. Okay. And it is a series of meditations on life. And it is a super fast read. And I just finished it and I really enjoyed it. Excellent. We'll check it out. All right. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.